Welcome and good morning to like a two-edged sword podcast. I'm your host Felix Tagabas, and uh, I would like for this very first uh, podcast for me to get to introduce myself in a more deeper level with those people that are listening to uh, this podcast or that are thinking about uh, uh, subscribing to the podcast. Uh, I would love for y'all to get to know me, know more of my background, where I come from, and why I decided to work on this podcast. Well, my name is Felix Tayabas, and uh, I am originally from South Texas, and I'm in the real South Texas, not San Antonio. Uh, mostly, when people get to ask me where I'm from, automatically they think San Antonio. But uh, I am from the Rio Grande Valley, you know, uh, Mission, Texas. And uh, a little bit about my background is that uh, I grew up with three older siblings, three females, me being the youngest and the only man. Uh, I grew up with a, a single parent. Uh, my mother worked for so many years, two jobs to be able to support me and my three older sisters. So as a young age, we were moving a lot, you know, because uh, it was uh, we were in housing. We had housing, so we kept moving from place to place. I do remember this, but very little of it because I was very young. I remember us moving from school to school and not being able for me to make friends, long-term friends. We would settle for a couple of months and then move to another apartment. But uh, all this, I believe, kind of had a little effect on me growing up. You know, uh, being uh, raised with a single parent who loved us so much. And I would see that, but uh, it was also the fact that uh, uh, she was always working. But I know that she did it for a good reason. She had to raise me and my three older sisters by herself for so many years for two jobs. I remember me having to drive her sometimes from one job straight to the other and she would sleep in the car take a nap before she got to the other job and um you know growing up uh in high school like on the eighth grade i got introduced to drugs by a couple of people that i used to think they were my friends i got real addicted to uh cocaine i started uh in the eighth grade just to try you know it wasn't something that i was I saw myself doing in the long term, you know, or something that I thought that uh, it was cool. It was just, I just tried it in class one time and I got hooked on it. Uh, that same year, I tried uh, pills that were being brought up from, they were being brought from Mexico because we do live in the border, close to the border of Mexico, U.S. border. And uh, there were these very famous pills that, uh, drugs that people will bring cross the border and said them in school uh, I used to buy those pills sometimes I got real addicted to those pills as well so uh, but before that you know I did skip uh, like my younger years I I did didn't have the best childhood and that is not like that's not something that I blame my my parent you know um, as a kid uh you know, I was I was sexually abused by two different family members. I uh, there was some I was introduced to pornography at a young age. 
I was introduced introduced to marijuana at a young young age. I was forced to smoke it and uh, forced to watch pornography as well, videos and magazines. Uh, I remember growing up, you know, I never really stopped smoking marijuana. I kept smoking it growing up, even before I tried uh, cocaine. That time in ninth grade, I was already smoking marijuana. Uh, back uh, fast forward to high school, I was selling drugs. I was selling drugs in school just to maintain my addiction, to be able to support my addiction and keep having drugs for myself. You know, uh, I was a little small time dealer there in my street. I would drive to places, deliver drugs, and, you know, um, it was that was so lost. I was... Also introduced to, well, not introduced, but I myself got into horror movies a lot. I got into horror movies. I became a real fan of horror movies. My room, I remember it was always dark. During nighttime, I liked the lights off. I had a poster of Freddy Krueger. Those who know Freddy Krueger, you know that he looks really, really creepy. I remember I had uh, those the Saw doll from the movie. I had a, a black light, and uh, I would always be watching scary movies. My parents were, my mom was asleep, my sisters were asleep, and I was alone in my room. All the lights had to be off for me to watch a scary movie. I used to love the feeling of, you know, that darkness and just being surrounded by darkness and uh, thinking that nothing could scare me, that uh, I was like very, how do you call it? I was like very, like very, like nobody could do anything to me, you know. So uh, I would watch these movies. I would watch The Exorcist like at three, four in the morning by myself when it was pitch black. Uh, I do have uh, stories later on that I'm gonna talk about the things that happened to me when I got into all this horror stuff. Um, I didn't know that uh, later on in the future this was work cry. Uh, like a, a cry of everything that has happened to me that I held in, that I never shared with family members. Um, so uh, there was a time in high school where I had so much hatred for people. I hated people, and uh, I used to get this very horrific uh, images in my head of me hurting my family members. I used to be so into these horror movies. I used to listen to heavy metal. And I know people say that heavy metal is not bad. But the heavy metal I used to listen to, it wasn't like anything that talked about God. My heavy metal was all blaspheming God. It was all blaspheming the Lord. It was all about death, about murder, about sacrificing. And uh, I really got into this metal because when I used to listen to it, uh, death metal, black metal, uh, there's different types. You know, when I used to listen to it, I felt like nothing could hurt me and no one could hurt me. So, um, there's, uh, I used to drug myself, listen to his music, watch his scary movies and all these things took effect in my body and my mind and my spiritual life where I did not notice the, that the depression I was getting into came from all of this. I didn't believe in God at that time. Which is strange, 
because there's no logic the fact that I didn't believe in God, but yet I was listening to satanic music that, that cursed God. But at the time, I did not put two and two together. I guess I was so mad. Maybe I did believe in God, but I was just so mad at God of everything that had happened to me before in my life. Um, to a point where I, had, I didn't want anything to do with him. My whole life just revolved around this darkness. And going back to the thoughts that I would get, uh, there was a moment where I would uh, babysit my nieces. And um, those two nieces, uh, there was just me and them. I was a horrible uncle. I would have them watch scary movies with me. But I loved them so much. I thought that watching movies with them was a loving thing. But, you know, the devil would put evil thoughts in my mind of me wanting to murder my nieces. No matter how much I loved them, there were very graphic images in my mind of me just completely taking their lives and I would cry myself to sleep whenever they would like sleep uh, my sister would come from wherever she was at and they would go with my sister I would cry myself to sleep sometimes because of these images they seemed so convincing to where I, I was so scared of actually doing it one day uh, the same thing happened you know this images keep coming back about my mom as well uh, I had this graphic images of me hurting my mom and taking her life. And growing up, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I'm a big mama's boy. I love my mom. You know, who wouldn't be a mama's boy if that was the only parent that you grew up seeing, raising you and your sisters? Of course, I love my mom. And it would hurt me so much that I would have these thoughts about her knowing that she was a Christian woman, that she would pray for me. She would uh, always tell me she could pray for me. And... Uh, when these thoughts would come to my mind, it would just break me because I was so scared that one day I was going to do it and just give in to these voices or these uh, images that uh, they weren't just images like I'm describing. But these images seemed so convincing as if like uh, they were going to end up controlling me one day. So a little fast forward, you know, I had so much hatred. So I was so scared of one day taking my mom's life or my niece's life that I decided to turn into taking the life of animals. I turned to torturing and killing dogs and cats. And, you know, I did not know until I was way older that those were signs, early signs of a, of a serial killer, someone that was going to be a serial killer. But thank God the Lord saved me and just... Took that all away from me. Um, I eventually ended up giving my life to the Lord. You know, one time where I was close to taking my own life. Um, I was sad and crying. I was getting depressed. Everything that the Lord uh, was putting in my heart, which at the time I didn't know, but it was a bunch of curiosity. Curiosity to know if he existed. Curiosity to know if uh, the end of days would happen. Growing up in a Christian church is something that I would hear. But I didn't convert because I was scared of God coming in hell and all that. I was scared of the fact that if God existed, that I wasn't going to be with him for eternity. So this one time in the middle of me crying and I was alone in my house... 
I went looking for my mom in her room. I forgot what I was going to talk to her about. But I went. She wasn't there. I saw the Bible in her um, drawer on top. And I decided to open it. I got very curious. I opened it into Revelations. And I began to read Revelations, the first chapter. By the time I knew it, I was done. I was reading the last chapter of Revelations. Standing there, reclining against her drawer. And I not I did not move one single bit from the time that I be- began to read the first chapter of Revelations until I finished it. I was so confused and now my my curiosity just grew even more. So I was like, God, if you exist, show show me, show me that you exist. You know, change my life. I don't want to feel this way. I don't want to feel depressed. I don't want to feel like killing my family members. If you exist, prove it to me. So days passed. I'm still feeling the same way. I'm still uh, having suicidal thoughts, thinking this way about my family. And uh, one day, uh, my mom comes from church. She prays for me. I just cry, and she tells me if I want to save Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I did. I said yes. And in that very moment, I felt... The love of God. Like I never felt it before. Like I be, I would hear about it. From people that would go to my house. Knock on the doors. You know, Christians telling me that Jesus loves me. And my mom telling me that Jesus loves me. My aunt who's a pastor telling me that Jesus loves me. I never really felt that love until that moment that I just decided to accept him into my life. I felt his love. I felt so much conviction of everything that I have done. And I felt the forgiveness of God at the same time. To where the point where I just broke down. I broke down and I cried and I cried. And uh, I, my mom said, you want to go to church with me next Sunday? And I said, yes. So, you know, I went to church. All I had was metal band shirts and, you know, some green parkwood jeans. And, uh, you know, I decided to go to church. There was a lady preaching one time. She was a guest at the church. And uh, she said the same thing. You want to save Jesus as your Lord and Savior, come to the front. And I know many people say that that's not biblical, you know, like coming to the altar for you to, like I said, Jesus as the Lord and Savior. And I understand you know, because you don't have to do that. You can do it in your house. You can do it in your room, on your knees, just between you and God. You don't have to do it in front of people. But for me, doing it in front of people is like saying, I don't care what people think anymore. It's like saying, like, I proclaim Jesus and I want everybody to know it. So that's what I did. And I went to the front. I did it before my family members, before my cousins. For some reason, I was so scared of what my cousins would think because my cousins are like my brothers. I grew up with no brothers, just sisters. So uh, most of my life, I would just hang out with my male cousins. And uh, we grew up together being like brothers to each other. And um, I would think so much about what would they think until the point I said, you know what, who cares? 
They're my cousins. I know they're going to love me. I love them. I went to the front. I proclaimed my love for God. And I uh, decided to give my full life to Jesus. So, you know, you see many people that give their lives to Christ. And uh, later on, they're doing good. They're in this path and they're following Jesus. And they have this passion because of the salvation and the love that they felt. But with time, they might forget how that felt. They might get discouraged because of things they've heard. People that talked about them or mentioned something about them at church. Or they were judged by someone at church. And it wasn't righteous judging, but it was just judgment. You know? So, uh, I strayed away. I did not go back to my ways, like, getting depressed and uh, thinking horrible thoughts, killing animals. It was more in a different way. I would go to the clubs. Here and there, I had a... I used to have a friend who I would consider my best friend back then. We would go a lot to the strip clubs. But I noticed something different this time. I noticed when we would go to the clubs, when we would go to the strip clubs, I felt very uncomfortable. I felt so guilty as if I was betraying someone. As if I was married to someone and I was cheating on them. And I was like... You know, like, I feel so guilty. Like, I just want to go home to that someone and just hug them, tell them how much I love them, and just stay with them forever. That's how I felt, and I wasn't married. I was single, you know, at that time. I had It was just me and my friend. But I was wondering, why do I feel this way? Why do I feel guilty? And it was because I was betraying the one that I had married when I became part of the church. I was betraying the Lamb. Jesus, the one who saved me, the one who offered me that salvation, and I promised that I was going to serve him, but yet I strayed away. That's who I was betraying, so I felt very horrible. So I went back to the Lord. I told my friend that I couldn't do these things no more, that uh, I couldn't, I didn't feel comfortable. I confessed everything the way I was feeling to my friend. So I decided to start reading the Bible. Believe it or not, when I first gave my life to Christ and I was going to church, I wasn't reading the Bible. I was just being fed through church, through the through my pastor who was my aunt, through the sermons. But then after that, I decided to read the Bible myself because I was getting this hunger for it, you know. Because the last time I read the Bible by myself was when I read the Revelations. So uh, I grabbed the King James Bible, which is the only Bible that I had at the time. I was struggling to understand it, you know, the old school English. And um, I told my mom that I've been wanting to read it, but I struggle to understand it. I struggle to understand words, what they mean. She said, just pray and tell God to give you wisdom and understanding and give you discernment over everything that you're reading. And I did. And she told me, do that before you start reading each time. And I did. And with time, I started understanding what words meant. Everything started making sense. Um, all the words put together were giving me a message. And I understood that message. And and I just started having dreams later on. I started having dreams. And I told my mom about these dreams. I started having dreams of me. 
I couldn't see the whole dream. I could just see like a small square. Like if it was on a screen, just a small square of the screen. I was wearing a blue suit. I was on the stage or on the altar. I don't know where it was. And I, and I had a microphone as if I was speaking publicly or giving a speech. I don't know if it was a sermon or what. But I even remember the detail of me being more fit, like slimmer than what I was. I guess I got in shape. I don't know. But um, I, can't, I had this dream more than once. And I remember telling my mom. And my mom said, the Lord's calling you. I think he wants you to preach. He might be calling you to be a pastor, but he's calling you. So, um, I prayed over the dream. I felt that call that my mom was telling me about. I uh, decided to pursue it. But that was just a, a, a thought of pursuing, wanting to pursue it. You know, and the devil kept attacking Wanting to bring me back into my own ways. Where I was just lusting after women and after women. And just doing things and sinning against my own body. and To where I downloaded this famous app that people know about. And it's called Tinder. This app, I decided to sign up to meet women. Just for... Just to hook up for one night or whatever. And... Uh, at the same time, I was feeling guilty about doing this. So I told the Lord, Lord, give me someone that would correct me when I fall short. I know you can do it, Lord, but I know that you can also use a person. And I feel like if you give me someone, Lord, to correct me, I might do better. I pray that you give me someone who worships you and loves you more than what they love me. I saw a profile on that uh, Tinder. That profile said, I'm looking for someone to take to church. And uh, I clicked on it and uh, I started reading the bio and I sent her a message. We got along well. Days passed. I get her Snapchat. I get her WhatsApp, which is now I have her phone number. From WhatsApp, we start talking on the phone. I go visit her. We talk. She wanted our first date to be at a park. To read Proverbs together. And so we did. And when we did that. That's how I knew that she was the one. I, I went home the following day. When I woke up in the morning. This was nighttime though. The date was like around nighttime. I don't remember what time exactly. But I picked up around 8 or 9. So we were the park pretty dark. We had to use a light to read the Bible. I know this may sound, sound wrong for many people. But we were in the park. We were... Reading the Bible. And when I got home, I fell asleep like a baby. I woke up and I was so happy. And I told my mom about this girl. And I told her how she was a woman of God. And that I was happy to meet her. My mom was so happy because my mom knew my past. My mom knew how many people or women I had brought to that that place. You know, and introduced them to her. and And it wasn't nothing serious. It was just because... I didn't have a right and they would pick me up so they had no choice but to meet her but this is a person that was so special about that I want my mom to meet this person you know she was so special to a point where like I wanted them to be close and for my mom to really get to know her not just to meet her but to know her and my mom was so happy for me you know Uh, so 
I believe a week passed. I asked her out. She said no. It was too soon. I got shut down. I feel like two, three days later, I asked again. Didn't give up. And she said yes. Praise the Lord. <laughs> uh, months later, not even a year, we got engaged. And then we got married like by the year. 2017, uh, I married my wife, Yaresi. And we both decided to pursue our callings together and to just do whatever the Lord called us to do with no hesitation, with full trust in the Lord and with faith. And uh, now we're here in Oklahoma, Bethany, Oklahoma, attending Southern Nazarene University for pastoral ministry. She's doing a major in pastoral ministry, a minor in psychology, which later on she's going to do a master's in uh, uh, Christian counseling. Sorry, yes, Christian counseling. And I would do a master's in Old Testament archaeology. And uh, we are so happy that uh, we decided to say yes to that calling. We have seen the hand of God move in our lives where we lack nothing. And every time we feel that we're going to be in need of something, the Lord always provides just in time. So uh, I want to close this with a prayer, which I felt like I should have opened with a prayer. But uh, I want to pray. Lord, we thank you, Father God, for this moment, Lord. We thank you for our lives, Father. We have seen your hand move, Lord, in our lives, Lord. And you promised us, Lord, that you were going to provide for us and for us not to worry about anything. And I also pray for those that are listening, Lord God. They have a little doubt or just that they're scared, Lord, to pursue their calling and to take that leap of faith. I pray that you just show them, Lord God, that you touch their hearts. And that you just ensure them, Lord, that they just need to put their trust in you. That you're the one that makes a way. That you're the one that walks before them, Lord. That it's not about them. It's not about me. It was never about us, Lord God. But this was about you. Just like you did with Moses, Lord. When Moses was complaining. When you called him to go and talk to Pharaoh. He came making all sorts of excuses, Lord God. But you said it's not about you, Moses. It's about who goes with you. And it's the same deal now, Lord God. And I pray that everyone who's listening to this realizes and that you just touch their heart, Lord God, that anything, anything is possible with you when we put our trust in you and our faith in you. Lord, we thank you and we love you. In the name of your Son, Jesus, Heavenly Father, we pray. Amen. Thank you for uh, tuning in to the podcast. And once again, I'm your host, Felix Tayabas. Um, God bless you and have a wonderful day.